The Heath Bar is open, ladies and gentlemen. Heath Johnson here welcoming you to the podcast that lets you get to know the artists, creators, and leaders of the Black Hills and surrounding areas. Each episode, I'll serve up a conversation with a different guest where I sit down with them over a drink of their choice and get to know the person behind the talent in a casual way, much like you would hanging out at the local watering hole. There's no scripts, no editing, no plans. So what you're about to hear is an authentic conversation as it happened. The guests that hang out here at the Heath Bar have some incredible stories to share, so if you're able to, grab a drink while I get ready to serve up another conversation for you. While I'm getting that ready, let me take some time to make sure that you have subscribed to this show and your podcast weapon of choice. Whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, click that subscribe button. It lets you know when your conversation is fresh and ready for you. Also, if you want to get in touch with me for any reason, whether it's something you thought about while listening to a show, maybe you have a critique on something you think could make the show better, you know someone you think should come for an episode, or you just want to say hi, you can do all of that and more by emailing me at heath at heathbaronline.com. Once again, that's heath at heathbaronline.com. Lastly... If you're interested in free things, I will have some to give away every now and then. And I'm going to be giving those to you through the Heath Bar newsletter. It's a great way to stay informed on what's coming up and get info on previous shows that you may have missed. You can sign up at www.heathbaronline.com and become a regular with all of us here at the Heath Bar. All right, folks, it's ready. Hanging out with us this week at the Heath Bar is the one and only Harland Allen. You may have heard his name before, way back on episode 5 when we were chatting with Kim Bachman of Aces and Eights Classic Country Music. You remember her, right? Of course you do. Well, here we are on episode 25 now with Harland, the other half of this incredible duo. I first met Harland years before Aces and Eights formed and knew him as a solo artist. The dude has got some great original tunes in his arsenal and I was immediately impressed. Now, with Aces and Eights, he's found a music career with some incredible traction underneath it. Their third album will be coming out, I'm guessing in the next year, and is going to feature for the first time for them, all original music. And I, for one, cannot wait. Harlan also has his hat in the acting ring and has been in a few movies, which you're going to hear us talk about, which is pretty cool. I'm really glad we got to chat, and I'm really glad to share a little bit more about this person to all of you. He's one of my favorites. Ladies and gentlemen, Harland Allen. Welcome to the Heath Park, where the conversations are always on tap. Welcome to the Heath Bar. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this has been really fun. There's been some cool conversations and cool people that I've uh, I've gotten to chat with and hear some pretty neat stories. And Yeah, that's a good idea you got. Yeah. You've been on my list for a long time, so <laughs> I'm really glad, this, really glad this worked out. And I can't remember the last time we just got to hang out. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, maybe at the Wild West Songwriters Festival after. Was it after was the it fact? Oh, the after fact of that festival. That's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. That's a hard <laughs> day or two. <laughs> 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 and 
Not so much this year. I'm, it's gonna gonna be a busy year, but it's gonna be a fun one. Um, is that where we first met? Like years ago at that? It could have been. I remember the picture at Saloon Number Ten with you and me and a bunch of other people. It's on the it's the cover photo for Live Musicians of the Black Hills. Oh, that's and, right. But I I can't remember if we, that might have been the first time we met, and I don't know if that was at the Wild West Songwriters Festival, or that was just another event up there. I think that was the Wild West Festival. I think it was. And that's slowly coming back to me. Yeah, Yeah, we were there. Um, I remember Brandon Flanagan was in it. Um, Steve Carroll was in it. Yeah. God, Brock Finn was in it. Yeah, Scott Ballou. Scott Ballou. Oh, Scott, I love Scott. (laughs) He's a funny guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. Um, Was Cody in it? I don't think Cody was there. I can't remember. I'd have to pull up the picture. Yeah. That lion on memory doesn't work right now. For yeah, me. that's a God, that was a that was a fun weekend though, if I, from what I remember. So yeah, I think that might have been the first time we met. I think it was, yeah. Man, that it's was a long time ago. 5 6 years maybe. At least something like that. Maybe. At least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeez. Where does the time go, Harlan? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Uh but yeah, so we met that weekend and, uh, you know, found out we both play music and we both write songs uh-huh. and everything like that. Yeah. And, uh, and you've been writing for a long time. Yeah. So you've got uh, a pretty, would you call it a uh, deep uh, repertoire of music in your arsenal? Oh. Or do you like, do you have like a, do you keep track of how many songs you've written, I guess, or anything like that? I, I really don't. You know, but as as I have been writing a long time, but I guess I haven't, I don't have like a ton of songs. Okay. You know, I mean, I might have, you know, 25 or 30 songs uh-huh. that I've written that I, that I still do. You know how it is, you've written some and it's kind of like, I'm not playing that for anybody. You yeah. Know? Like, so ah, I've got a bunch of those, you know, but the ones I, I, I kind of still hang on to and like to play out, it's, it's limited, but. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, do you so? Do you regularly play those thir- regularly play those thirty songs? I guess, or is it kind of there's a dozen or so I usually pull out. Yeah, or, yeah. It's, it's one of those deals. Yeah, probably probably about a dozen or so that I play out when I'm playing like with Aces and Eights and at songwriters festivals and showcases. Okay. There's like the favorite dozen, you know, and then there's sure. some others. It's like if I played them more often, I'd know them well enough to play them out but i don't play them often enough you know? i've got way so, too many of those yeah yeah <laughs> some that'll probably just sit in the graveyard and yeah <laughs> i played it for a year and then it got kind of over it yeah. yeah um yeah this is cool because uh kim was on several episodes ago mm-hmm. so yeah. this is really my first time with a full I've interviewed the whole band. Yeah, the whole band. Both of us. <laughs> yeah. Both of you. Yeah. Good um, thing it's a small band, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was cool because we kind of got her perspective on Aces and Eights and kind of how all that started and that. Um, but you were playing a lot longer than she was as far as playing out and, and doing shows and everything like that because you've got kind of history of doing that. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk with kind of what, what got you started with first playing music and then two, um, deciding, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start writing my own stuff. <laughs> you know, I honestly, I, I, 
I think I was probably like five years old, and I knew I wanted to play music. I couldn't even play guitar yet. At five? Yeah. Wow. And, and I was just, I loved listening to music. You know, we'd have records on when I was a kid mm-hmm. quite a bit at home. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, not in school yet, so I'd sit around and listen to records. That's before, you know, they had all the games for kids to play and stuff. You sure. had records, you know? Yeah. And then I remember riding around in the back seat of my parents' car, aunts and uncles' cars, and they'd have Hank Williams playing. Man. You know, and so I just, and I just kind of, I loved music. I could sing along with a lot of the old country songs way back then because mm-hmm. I heard them so many times. And, and I just, I kind of knew I, I just loved music and wanted to do something. And it wasn't probably till I was like 10 or 11, I took my first guitar lessons. You know, so for five years or so, you just knew I'm going to play music, but it was five years between that and when you first picked up a guitar or decided yeah. you're going to start learning. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about five years before wow. I finally got to take, got a guitar. A neighbor of ours loaned us an archtop guitar. You know, okay. when I came in your house, I said, nice archtop. <laughs> and it's because that was like my first guitar. It was a loaner from a neighbor. And I think it was an old Montgomery Ward's archtop. Wow. And, and so that was my first guitar that got loaned to me. And then I was able to take lessons for a while because I had a guitar to play. Prior That's to that, cool. I didn't have a guitar. So. <laughs> so did you have to give it back after every lesson or did they let you keep it? Like just in no, they let me keep it. Okay, and uh, so you could practice throughout the I, week. And I could stuff. practice and all that, you know, and and I hung in there for probably eight months or a year, uh-huh. and then you know, riding my bicycle and playing basketball with my friends became more important. So what? Then, then they took the guitar back, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not playing with this yeah. anymore. We're but it wasn't it. long, and I I picked up another little, you know, just a little uh, flat top guitar sure. somewhere, and and just started. You know, by junior high school, I was picking it up on my own and and uh, had a couple of garage bands in junior high school. and, and Harlan's like Garage Band. Do you remember garage. some of their names? <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, like, <laughs> well, one of them, one of them was, it was kind of a joke, a friend of ours. He was a drummer, but not in our band. And he was always giving us a hard time. And he came up with a name that we actually used for a while, and I don't know why. I guess we were just dumb junior high school kids. <laughs> but it was Mother Harland and the Plastic Trash Can Band. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is way better than I thought it would be. <laughs> Mother Harland and the Plastic, plastic Trash Can, trash can Band. Can band. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you don't have stickers of that at your shows. That you I were know. just And you know what? Only true fans of Aces and Nates will get it. And they'll probably get buy it. That's fantastic. Yeah. That should be on a shirt. I'm not it even should, kidding. Mother Harlan, the plan. I'll do that. I'll make shirts up. Sell them at the Aces and Ace shows. <laughs> so you can clear it by Kim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think she'd approve. That's okay, Kim. Heath said it was okay. Yeah, Heath so. said we can sell these t-shirts here. He said so. it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And you use that for a few shows. We use so that name Did you guys print up posters and stuff for it? Or did you just, no, this no. is what we are when you were on the No, this is just, this is what we are. Okay. And, you know, we didn't we didn't play a lot of stuff. We'd we'd play like uh they'd have different talent shows, you know, mm-hmm. that the community center would put on and stuff like that. That was okay. kind of our showcasing. <laughs> you know. That's awesome. Mother, and no, no big banners or anything else. Just they had to announce it over the microphone who we were. <laughs> they oh so so the person with the microphone is sitting there going, I have I have to say this. <laughs> I cannot believe this band is named that, but I got to say this, yeah. And you were the singer, I take it. I was the singer. And, yeah. Singer and rhythm guitar? Or? Sing, singer and rhythm guitar. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. And we had another guy who was a pretty good lead player for a junior high school kid. And a, okay. And a, 
a, a drummer or two. I can't remember. We had a couple of different drummers, I think, over the, the course of our year or so, whatever it was. Yeah. And then a bass player, you know. Do you remember that first show that you played? Like, just, I mean, maybe not even the details, but just, like, the feeling of, hey, we're, we're going to play, and oh, yeah. people are coming to listen to us, and this is pretty cool. And you know, you're thrilled. I mean, back back then, you were just so excited because it looked so cool for you to walk around carrying a guitar case. In oh, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm kind of over that now, but it's still, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, you were thrilled because you were a musician. Right. And, yeah, you're right. People are coming to listen to me. Yeah, you show up at a yeah. place, and it's like, <laughs> they're coming here for you, and, and you walk in, you feel a little bit, a little bit prideful or self-entitled or whatever whatever you want to call it but it feels good it oh yeah feels good yeah good feeling yeah. oh man yeah and there was nothing like carrying a guitar case um all the old photos i see from like musicians back then even my grandfather like his pictures and that's like man you just you just look way cooler with a guitar case <laughs> yeah you do was that um I guess, so this would have been um 60s 70s I'm not gonna, um, should, I, should we just not say? No, Give me this little smirk. That's okay. Like, oh, here we go. I'm, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm 60 years old. I don't mind okay. that. I, I love it. You know, I'm ha- I'm happy I got this far. Yeah, that's right. But that would have been probably early 70s. Okay. I think you know 70, 71. So was this like there. guitar in hand, cigarette in mouth, just walking, <laughs> being super cool musicians? And yeah. Well, I I didn't do the cigarette thing. Oh, okay. I, I tried it to be cool like all the other kids. Sure. sure. I couldn't handle the smoke, so I didn't. Do yeah. That, you know, but yeah, yeah. Really, really cool looking carrying my guitar around and That's around cool. the school and places we went to play. And one kind of funny story about that whole band, the the girlfriend I had in junior high school, uh-huh. where we became Facebook friends, I don't know how many years ago now, and she says, I still remember one of my favorite songs you played in your junior high school band was um, Norwegian Wood by the Beatles. Oh wow! And I got to thinking about that, and at at that time, I was still playing that song out as a soloist before before I was working with Kim in Aces and Eights. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking about it. I thought, "Oh my God, I've been playing that song for like forty some years." <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it when she brought that up, and she remembered that as her favorite. But it got me thinking: I have played that song so long. Wow! <laughs> yeah. So you've got like uh, it's almost the point you could probably you could probably just play it in your sleep. When you get to when you it, get to that forty years playing it a used song, to be, yeah, I can imagine like just yeah. someone names it and you got it, yeah, you can go. It's it's one of those that I don't play much anymore unless I'm just sitting around having fun playing some songs for the mm-hmm. fun of it. But I'll bet I could, you know, I could ramble it off if I had to. Well, that's <laughs> a good know? song to be able yeah. to know by heart. Yeah, I mean, Beatles wrote a lot of great songs, but that one's yeah. always been one yeah. of my tops. That's so. a good one. Yeah, I once had a girl. Oh, just it's perfect. It starts <laughs> off so great. It starts off so great. Yeah. So did you ever uh, go through a I don't want to listen to country phase? When I was a teenager. Okay, so yeah, you yeah. What, what was the genre that you gravitated towards those? Well, you know, back... Was it the pop rock, like the Beatles stuff and that, or was it... Um, yeah, in junior high and, and high school, I think. Well, mostly junior high. It was probably Beatles, Creedence Clearwater. Okay. You know, and and then getting into... High school, it was more like ZZ Top, Aerosmith, Ooh. stuff like that. And, I, you know, in high school, I, I think I fiddled around with some people in different different bands that, again, didn't do much playing out. We just, you know, played that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know. You were a rocker. I was a rocker back You were a rock star, Because I had, I had to be defiant and, 
break away from the roots of country music that was embedded in me as a child. And so I some I, things I, don't I go away though. A rocker, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah, rock but, and roll, Harlan. I, are there photos of this? Did you grow your hair out super long? Like, oh yeah, yeah. really? I, oh man, my my senior picture um, in high school, I had hair. About halfway down my back. You gotta be kidding I me. I had long hair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was a long haired rocker. Do you stand up there on stage when you're playing and just swirl your yeah. hair around like, <laughs> like you see in all the old, yeah. old videos and that? <laughs> I was too busy concentrating. I was the rhythm player, so I had to keep rhythm, you know. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, I had the long, long hair rocker look, you know. And how long did you keep that look for? Um, I think I was about 19, not long after high school, and I, and I cut my hair. You said it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Time. I'm time. always curious how long people hang on to that image. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, especially if you were like enjoyed it in high school, even through college and that, and you had some fun in the bands and that, but then like you, you grow up, you get a real job. Like how long do you maintain uh-huh. that image before you go, okay, it's, it's, yeah. it's time. But. Yeah. Well, that part of it was, I was, you know, I worked on my own car since, you know, I was like 15 years old mm-hmm. and, uh, so I kind of got tired of laying on a creeper and rolling over my hair and it getting st- caught up in the in the creeper wheels. Oh, <laughs> is a sure. big part of why I cut it. Yeah, that but would... also the image. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of over the long haired rocker look, so <laughs> I cut it. You know, time to be responsible. Yeah, there you go. Grow up a little bit. <laughs> oh man! But then well, in, into yeah. high school, I also I started really getting besides the rock and some group bands I was in there. I started doing more uh, Cat Stevens and James Taylor nice. and the Eagles and that kind of stuff. And when I went out solo after high school playing, that's the kind of music I played. Okay. So the, the whole rock band thing was just kind of, you know, a defiant teenager phase through Is junior the... high and high school, I guess. <laughs> oh, young Harland. Yeah. <laughs> trying to take on the world. Way back in the 70s, a young Harland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, young Harland. See, we got a new band name. There, there you go. go. <laughs> and all we're going to do is play Norwegian Wood over and over and over. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> it was my junior high school girlfriend's favorite song. So wow. Play it she over remembers. Over. That's, yeah. that's, that's pretty impressive. That's yeah. a pretty impressive memory, especially to leave that type of lasting impression on someone for that long. I've... Uh, Maybe I guess I'll, I'll know when I'm 60 if I've there done you that go. with someone. When you're 60, <laughs> somebody yet. will say, Heath, I remember that song you played back then. And you'll you'll stop for a minute and say... I have been playing that song how long? I can't believe it. Oh, man, I am Harland now. I don't know it. <laughs> the tables have turned. That's funny. Um, so you, you you played through college, and then you, did, you said you did solo after college? I did not go to college. Oh, okay. So I, I, I guess did, college I did then. for like two or three months, but it, okay. it just didn't work out. So, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, after high school, I uh, I started playing out, and my first... First job I got that they paid me was a six-day job. It was Monday through Saturday at a, mm-hmm. at a little place in Lakewood, Colorado called the Ground Round Restaurant and Lounge. Oh, okay. And that was my first paid gig, and I think I was about 19 or so. And you played Monday through Saturday? Monday through Saturday. Every day? Yep. It no kidding. Monday through Saturday, 9 to 1. A- every evening? Every night. You're playing four hours a night? Yep, four hours a night for six Oof. Days. Yeah, yeah. Oof. But back back then in in Denver at least, there was a lot of little lounges and coffee houses like that, and they would have music seven days a week. 
And the the seventh day there was on Sunday. They'd have an open mic night, so I didn't I didn't have to play that. So night. there's but just there was, music going. There was on quite all the time. a few little venues like that all over Metro Denver and up into the hills with the ski areas and stuff like that. Okay. So. Wow. Yeah. Why did that trend disappear? That would I be wish awesome. I knew. I and wish I knew. That was great. Seven days a week, yeah. six days a week, one day off, just playing music for four hours. That's that's a four-hour work day yeah. <laughs> for, for six days a week. Yeah. <laughs> 20 hours a week playing music, man. There you go. Uh, we, need to, we need to find some places to get, get back on board with that. We would love, I'd love that, yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure I dig the four hours to 1 a.m. every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of over that, too. I just, you know. <laughs> I, uh, the, so I started... Playing out, God, how old was I? So twenty six, twenty seven, like doing the solo stuff. Mm-hmm. No, I was older than yeah. I was about twenty six, and uh, yeah, playing to like one o'clock. You know, they, you know, you get a gig at Flanagan's, play uh-huh. from nine to midnight, and you're like, oh, I'm definitely gonna play till one thirty when they say last call. You know, just because uh-huh. you you were all excited about it. You know, uh-huh. and, yeah. And now it's like that happens on occasion. You know, when the crowd's right and everyone's having a good time and you're having a good time, but most of the time it's like, it's it, oh, it's midnight. Okay. Thank you, everyone. I'll be here tomorrow, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> Come back tomorrow and I'll play some more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's funny how that works. And I kind of wish that uh, music moved up like two hours. It was like seven to ten. Yeah. That'd be that'd That be wouldn't better. be bad at all. That'd yeah. be pretty that great. That wouldn't be you bad, know? yeah. In bed by 11. Uh-huh. Oh, man, look at us old yeah, farts sound like just you're sitting 60. here talking right now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, that's, uh, back then there was a lot of clubs like that, and they would be those hours. Okay, and it was you know s- you know nine to one, nine to one thirty, whatever. And, and so. they booked the same. So it was a house gig. You, you were the same artist every night, and that for, you were you for were that week. Musician. You, you booked in there, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you, was it every single week, or was it just hey, this week is going to be Harland, or next week's going to? Well, be actually, that else? was the only time I got booked there. Oh, okay, I got booked okay. there that one time, and that was my first gig that i got uh-huh. paid for and then it just you know i was into into other little gigs you know not everybody was six seven nights a week so there was you know the typical friday saturday gig. sure yeah. so i kind of got more into some of those okay after that that was the only time i booked there and the guy that ran the place irv jones mm, you who, remember his name who, who moved wow. to florida shortly afterwards i contacted the new manager and irv had booked up for like six or eight months Irv was a musician too. Okay, and so he he liked music and loved the musicians in the area, and he booked a lot of people in. So it was it was kind of hard to get back in there because it was so far ahead. They booked up. So he was on the ball, like he had oh, yeah. it scheduled out, and he yeah, was, that yeah, that's he was actually on top of that's it. smart. That's that a is lot, a lot of less less scrambling. Oh, yeah. unless someone yeah. bails on you. Yeah, musicians and bailing. That's not a thing that happens, is no, it? No, not a bit. Not <laughs> a bit. <laughs> Did you? So have you? Um, have you always played music, as was there, or was there ever a time when you kind of just eh, kind of got out of it a bit? Like maybe you had another job or something else happened, and you just kind of ah, this is kind of on hiatus for a while. Yeah, I had a, had a couple of those at least. Okay, you know where I just uh, I just wasn't not that I didn't like music, but I just wasn't get I wasn't pursuing it. Okay. And it was more I'd just sit around the house and play guitar and sing, mm-hmm. maybe do some writing, you know. Okay. And some of those were, you know, a couple of years at a time. Gotcha. And one of those happened, I know, when uh, my wife and I moved from Wheatland, Wyoming to Sturgis in uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. And after we moved, there was probably a couple of years I didn't play out. 
And, you know, I, then I started practicing up again to do solo because when I lived in Wyoming, I had been in like two or three different four and five piece bands. Okay. And so I had, I'd been playing in bands for like, you know, 10 years. And then I got over to Sturgis and, you know, we were busy. We have an eBay business. My wife and I sell on eBay. And so I was, I was, I was busy working on that and, and things around the house and, but then after a couple of years, you know, you just get that craving again, and so you got to get going. Yeah. So I started practicing up my solo stuff that I had not done in years because I'd been in bands. Okay. And a lot of the music I was doing as a soloist was not stuff we did in the bands. So I was practicing that up, and then I started out, and I played, I think I played during the rally one day at the Knuckle Saloon. They used to have a place where their Knuckle Brewery is now used to be the White Owl or Night Owl Saloon. Oh, that's right. Like that. Man, and, yeah, and I And I played that. one afternoon. They called me and wanted me to play during the rally, so I played that. And I think that was my first time back out after we moved to, to Sturgis, and that was probably about 2010 or so. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I've had a, a few times where I just took a little time off and, it's like, and yeah, I'm gonna didn't get out and play. Sit and yeah. let, it, let it resonate, you know, sit yeah. a little bit in that. But Yeah. That's cool. Um and those those were the times you, you spent writing. Is that where writing happened for you, or do you remember when you wrote your first song? Um, you know, I was making up songs as a kid. This the sixteen year old in the rock band before camp. I couldn't before I could play guitar. I would I would sing along, you know, uh, with a melody from a popular song on the radio or something, mm-hmm. and I'd make up my own lyrics. <laughs> gotcha. And so I was kind of doing that, but. You know, as far as actual sitting down with a guitar and writing, um, I was probably in junior high school at some time, you know, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. And those are, all of those songs I cannot remember now, and there's a reason why. <laughs> 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 so, if that answers your question, yeah. I, I won't ask the reason. <laughs> you already know the reason <laughs> why, because they were crap. <laughs> oh man yeah yeah well that's uh so 2010 that was probably a few like a year or two before i started playing Mm -hmm. okay out here and everything like that so that was right still right around that time so yeah yeah um and i'd been you know i've been played for years and everything but just always at home and Uh um then had then you uh, took that step to Took that step. Yeah, a buddy of mine had a gig, couldn't make it. Asked if I'd fill in for nice. a half an hour until he could get there, and he didn't show up. Oh, he didn't <laughs> so, show up at all. No, he got stuck at work. So, oh, well. so I got. So it's like, oh wow, I got a four-hour gig. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it was like. Oh, but wow. it was fun, and everybody yeah. kind of liked it. And <laughs> I was like, okay, I think I could do this. And now here I am, yeah, know, doing all this cool. stuff. But that's good. You know, it's, such is such is history, Harlan. <laughs> um, so you played solo for. For several years then, just kind of doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, I would guess, uh, I mean, I, and I've been to a few of your solo shows uh, before Aces and Eights was founded and and started, you know, changing the world uh, <laughs> like it has been. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and it's it's definitely a little bit of a different feel than what Aces and Eights is in that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, do you, what was it like building your own, your own solo show for you? Was there... Um, was it just hey I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, these are the songs I know these are the songs I'm gonna play or was there um, a certain level of you know what kind of feel do I want to come across when I'm up there playing? 
You know, I didn't I didn't even think that way. <laughs> okay. I didn't when I was first getting out playing solo, I was mostly concerned about having enough material to play four sets and not repeat something. Gotcha. And okay. I wasn't focused on what do I want to, you know, what kind of persona do I want? <laughs> when know? people think Harland Allen, what should they what think do about? they think? I, I was like, I hope I don't have to repeat a song <laughs> by the end of the night <laughs> or a half a set, you know. <laughs> right. Or you look out in the crowd, hey, it's all new people. I can totally get away with it. Yeah, I'm yeah. just going to play the first set again. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, <laughs> that was a lesson order. I learned later on, but yeah, you yeah. can do that. Yeah, so, and yeah. only the bartenders know, and you're all are in it together, so they're not telling anyone, <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah. But. No, I never really thought about it that way. I was just, I was just going out and playing the music I had, mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, hoping I had enough material. Then by the time I got to where I had enough material, I was just kind of like, I'm just going to go play my music. Sure, that's really cool. And I wasn't too concerned about putting on a a show or anything. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, people are just going to come to listen to my music. Yeah, and if and, you're playing good songs, yeah. and it's and that's kind of true. But then. Working with Kim and with Aces and Eights, we've realized that part of what we needed to do and what we do is we put on a show. Yeah. I mean, we, we dress the part of classic country music, yep. you know, the old uh, embroidered shirts and whatnot. And we put on a show. We do more than just perform music. Yeah. We, we tell jokes and we interact with each other and with the crowd. And when I was doing a lot of my solo stuff, I'd interact with the crowd a bit, you know, mm-hmm. and talk to them and joke a little. And was was pretty good at that, but I wouldn't put on a show. It was mostly like, hey, you're here to hear my music, and I'm going to play. Yeah. And now I've learned, and one thing I love about what we do with Aces and Eights is we do a show. Yeah. It's an entertainment experience. You know? Well, and that's what it used to be. I mean, you yeah. think of, you know, especially back, especially, the, you know, the, the classic country artists and everything back then, it was, you know, the traveling show, you know, and they yeah. would haul other stuff in a car and a couple cars and vehicles and they'd travel to the next place and it'd mm-hmm. be the the same, you know, you don't want to, it's not, I don't know, I mean, it's, I always think like dog and pony show, but some people think that's like a little <laughs> of a, of a bad, bad phrase, like you're not supposed to, that's a mean something bad. I'd never thought it meant something bad until people were like, hey, you shouldn't be saying that. But <laughs> but uh, it's that kind of thing where it is, it's an entire show yeah. from start to finish. Everything mm-hmm. is choreographed out. Yeah. Um, so hey, after these two songs, we're doing this joke, um, yeah. and you know, and the jokes change because you got to keep those fresh, you know, yeah. like that, and and um, but yeah, so that's definitely yeah. We don't we don't go that far as like all choreographed, and after these two songs, here's this joke. Okay, you know, we we've just learned we kind of improvise it. Like if Kim's tuning the banjo, which happens to happen every time she picks it up, then I tell a joke, you know. <laughs> And we decided, yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm not going to tell any banjo jokes, okay? I'm just saying. We're going to talk about your hatred for banjos at some point. It's going to come It's not a up. hatred. It's going to come just, up. If you have a banjo in the band, you have to tell a banjo joke or ten. Or ten. Yeah. Yeah. Got, and there's always a banjo joke. There's always banjo You're jokes. never short of banjo jokes. <laughs> That's right. I, I've, I don't know how many I've heard in, in my lifetime, but... That. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that works because otherwise, you know, there's there's silence while you're up there, yeah, up there tuning in that, and um, and that's not something everybody does. I mean, yeah. I, I think of you know all the other artists and stuff I've you know talked with, and I know from up here and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not uh, that's unique to you guys, I guess, as far as that type of of show and um, uh, experience. I guess it's uh-huh. it's a classic country experience. Yeah, um, when people go to your show, they're 
they're getting that feel. They're getting that. Uh, what what would it have been like if you know we were, you know, sitting around and you know Johnny Cash and June Carter show up with their <laughs> with their posse, you know, and they put on a show or yeah. think that, right? Yeah. It'd be like, yeah. yeah. Um, did you ever get to see him? Did you no, ever get to go to a Johnny Cash? I show? never saw Johnny. Never Cash. got to see him. I wish I had. Man, I I had. and you? Uh, no, I uh, I did not. Um, <laughs> I did get to see uh, Waylon Jennings oh, when I yeah. was cool. really young. Yeah, um, in North Platte, Nebraska. Oh, he came for Nebraska Land Days, and um, him and Willie. It was <laughs> Willie and Waylon. Wow. And Waylon Jennings had just had carpal tunnel, or carpal tunnel. Yeah, is that is it, no? Is it carpal tunnel on your fingers? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it was. He had carpal tunnel surgery, mm. so he's in a cast. <laughs> And uh, he couldn't, so he couldn't play his iconic guitar or anything like that. I think he was up there in like a windbreaker windsuit, you know, because when you're Waylon Jennings, you can wear whatever you want on stage (laughs) and nobody's going to care. But Willie just rocked. I mean, Waylon was up there singing and everything too. Mm -hmm. So he did it. But Willie Nelson played for, I think, almost four hours to kind of... Jeez. You know, make up for the fact that Waylon couldn't, uh-huh. and so he just and it was it was awesome. Like yeah. I remember it. My dad and I still talk about it. You know, yeah, it was, it cool. was a great show. Uh, he found the photos of that show the other day. Oh, nice. I was like, ooh, yeah, ooh, gonna have to save these. <laughs> there's there's a Waylon. Um, but yeah, I never saw Johnny Cash, um, which is pretty sad because he's one of my all time favorites. He's my wife's yeah. ultimate favorite. You know, him yeah. and him and June have been. Oh, yeah. That's what she was. She was raised on, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I never, never got the chance. Yeah. So, one day, the closest I get is aces and eights. So. <laughs> That's right. That's why we got to keep it going. That's you know. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, the origin of aces and eights, because um, you know I've heard Kim's Kim's side of it, and um, so it's kind of cool how she kind of sitting around and uh, had this idea. Um, and then approached you with it. So what was that like from your end? Because you knew, you had maybe seen Kim once before that, if I remember the way her story correctly. She was at a show, or she played a yeah. show, and you were there playing also. Yeah, she uh, had a... At the time, Kim had a all-female group called the Phillies. The Phillies. And... That needs to be in a t-shirt, the, too. The, the Phillies and I Harlan, cannot believe... Mother Harlan and the Plastic Trash Can Band and the Phillies. I cannot believe there are not stickers of both <laughs> of those bands at your shows for people, for our hardcore fans to get yeah. and be like, hey, I know what these mean and no yeah. one else. It's like we, the inside joke. like a, a sticker, former Philly. For, oh, that'd a be former fantastic. Philly band member. I I used to Former listen Philly to the fan. Phillies. <laughs> yeah, I used no. to listen to the fan, <laughs> Phillies. <great. laughs> Anyhow, the Phillies. I I was playing solo, and I I was op- They opened for me at the Doll Arts Center, and that's uh, right. Okay, and I was yeah. playing there, and that's where I first met Kim. And I honestly, I remember walking across the street because they were they were in doing the sound check. And I was walking across the street with my guitar looking cool because I was carrying a guitar. Because that never goes out of style, It never goes out of style. I don't care if you're 16 or 60. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, guitar case. Yeah. You're cool. cool. (laughs) But I was walking across the street and I heard the harmonies they were doing. I thought, what were they thinking to book me as a soloist after this group with all these harmonies? (laughs) I was scared. I was like, oh my God. Then I pulled it together. 
being the professional I am. Well, and you remembered you looked cool. And I remembered I looked cool walking across the street with a guitar. So I came, I came over, I got over it. But uh, anyhow, I walked in and they, you know, they did some really good good harmonies with like a five piece band. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I was a little intimidated at first, but then I pulled it together and they did their set. I got up and did my set and Kim came up and introduced herself afterwards. And then I met the rest of the Phillies, I think that night too. And then uh, Kim, they decided, Kim's, the Phillies just started with a bunch of gals sitting around Kim's back porch, drinking wine, playing instruments. Okay. And jamming. And then they started putting this sound together and a lot of songs together. And they decided, well, let's get out and play some. So mm-hmm. that's how they wound up at the, at the doll. And then after Kim and I met, uh, Kim called me one night and said, you know, we've got these jobs booked. And a lot of the band members are not able to show up with the Phillies. And I'm like, and she said, so can you come and just kind of sit in with us and, you know, help fill out the night with Mm -hmm. some of your songs? And I said, well, sure, you know. So I don't know how many times I did that. I did not become a Philly. So you were never never officially Never a Philly. No. Harlan did not make the cut. I did not make the cut. I was not a Philly. But (laughs) anyhow. Can that be a sticker too? Not a Philly. Not a Philly, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I could have that that T-shirt. I'll wear that T-shirt. But anyhow. So it was a lot of fun. I'd just go out and, you know, they'd play, you know, like they played up at Peppers. Used to be called Peppers up in Island. I love peppers. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun there too playing. Yeah. But I'd, I'd go in and sit in with different jobs they had because different band members were not able to show up. Okay. And then I, I think, you know, it wasn't long, I don't know, maybe three months or so. And it seemed like the Phillies just kind of dissolved because. Just on you know, its own? Like yeah. it was just kind of, hey. Yeah, they just. They scheduling just, you know, in that? Scheduling and everything. You know, you got five people to try to schedule. Sure. And that's part of why they couldn't make gigs. It's like, you got five people to try to get to this one show. That's hard. And so they just kind of dissolved because, you know, too much scheduling conflicts and everything else. And so Kim, I think she texted me or messaged me or something, and she says, do you know of any any women that would want to start a duo with me? And I thought, you know, because I, I liked playing my solo stuff, but mm-hmm. I also missed harmonies. I missed harmonies and the extra instrumentation mm-hmm. and all that. And so I, I was sitting there in the living room. I looked at my wife and I said, do you mind if I start a duo with Kim? And Brendan met Kim because yeah. times I played out with the Phillies. You know, she said, yeah, that's fine. So I messaged Kim. I said, I don't know of any women that want to start a duo, but do you want to try a duo with me? And so we got together and started practicing. And, and uh, the whole... Aces and Eights thing and the show we do now and classic country music mm-hmm. just kind of evolved as we worked together. We started gotcha. working together. We we decided, you know, we both love classic country. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love all kinds of music, but uh, we both love doing classic country music. And, and then we just started working on more and more of that mm-hmm. as our show. And then I think we were like a year. Uh, we started together in about October of 2015. Okay. And so I think uh, we were probably about a year into it, maybe a little more, and we decided, you know, we need to do, we need to make this more of a show, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we decided we were going to dress the part too. And you know, Kim would get dresses that looked like old Loretta Lynn or yeah. something dresses, yeah. and I'd get the old embroidered Western shirts. You know, so that really helped because that added to the show on stage. It was more than just music. 
Yep. And then we started learning as we went into this about, you know, keeping the show going, not having any dead air on the mic. What was that like for the first time when you're trying to keep that dead air down? Uh, Is it it challenging when you're trying to all of a sudden shift that mindset in your head on stage? It it was. Yeah. It it was kind of like, you, you know, you're just... I was used to as a soloist, you know, just if if I needed a sip of beer, I'd yeah, take right. a break in the middle of a song. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll finish this song Pause. after a drink. Pause. Yeah. <laughs> no. But you know, like I'd finish a song and I'd say thank you and I'd reach down and grab my beer, my water, and just take a drink and mm-hmm. then casually look at my list and decide what's next. And so yeah, getting over that. And even Kim and I were doing that and we kind of realized it as we were playing and stuff that and I, I think maybe some people did some videos of some of our shows part of the shows okay and so we were looking at it and it was like wow there's a lot of dead air <laughs> yeah. so to answer your question it was kind of a challenge because i had just grown accustomed to doing my own thing mm-hmm. and not worrying about you know dead air but kim and i decided along with the visual aspect of our show with the clothes we needed to make sure there was somebody on the mic all the time and so that's when we decided if Kim's changing instruments, I would be talking. Mm-hmm. If I'm changing instruments, she would be talking. If you're and grabbing did, your beer, she's going to be talking. Yeah, if I'm grabbing my beer <laughs> and she's tuning the banjo, somebody's got to be talking. Right, so, right. So yeah, it was a little challenging at first, and we still find ourselves falling back into it because you just, you know, you don't think about it sometimes. And so sure. when it becomes second nature, totally would be great. Because that helps the show a lot. You keep the audience with you when you're talking to them. Yeah, I mean, it commands their attention yeah. every second of the time that you're out, you're up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so how Speaking does that... of beers, you, you keep talking. Yeah, I'm no. Gonna, I'm going to have some take, beer. Take a few drinks, man. We got, <laughs> we got more here. We're doing Coors Light. I was just... Uh, I was just... Um, uh, had a had a conversation with uh, Kenny Fiddler, and we were oh, drinking yeah. Coors Banquet. So oh, we're yeah. okay. uh, that's Coors, good beer too. Yeah, Coors is uh, man. They're three or four of the guests have all picked Coors beer. But so I'm starting good guests. I'm starting to find a guests. theme. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So does that work uh, with with like set breaks? So when you guys, because do you, do you do set breaks or do you have? Hey, we have an our show is an hour and a half long. This is this is what we do, and then we're done. Or, yeah, you know we're trying to get into a lot of shows, and that's what we're targeting is where we'll just play one set. Mm-hmm. You know, and if that set's an hour and a half long, we'll just play through it. Okay, you know. So, but if we if we book a job that they want like two hours, two sets, or the occasional three sets mm-hmm. then we'll do we'll do set breaks okay you know? and we'll we'll usually do the regular 45 on 15 off gotcha you know and a lot of times we kind of push that a little because you know most of our most of the time we're like 50 55 minutes for a set mm-hmm. and then we'll just kind of take a break and then work it in so you know if they wanted three three hours you know like six to nine mm-hmm. we like to end at nine gotcha but yeah. you know but like like that, if we get a show that's an hour and a half, we're just going to play through it. Gotcha. We did that, as a matter of fact, in, um, we played a, a music festival in Iowa, our last little road trip we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, think, I think we were scheduled for an hour and a half or something there. I can't remember which show it was out there on our little road trip. And we just played through it. 
because an hour and a half is easy enough. You know. Yeah, you can you can kind of crank through that pretty oh, yeah. good. Yeah, pretty good without without flinching an eye. I bet, and especially if you've been playing Norwegian wood for yeah. for forty years. You well, know? It's, I I I pulled that one out because Kim was tuning the banjo, so I played Norwegian wood. Like four times in a row. Just kidding. <laughs> Joking. Joke. Banjo joke. <laughs> We're going to have a banjo joke segment. It's going to be great. Um, yeah, because you guys kind of made a shift uh, after, was it after the first year or so, where it wasn't so much where you were looking for, for bar gigs so much anymore. It yeah. was more of, hey, we're wanting, I mean, maybe it's just like the the setting of the, uh, the way you guys do it, the way the show works or anything like that, but uh, um you guys felt like one, it just wasn't the best place to represent yourselves, or what did that thought process look like for you? Is hey, I think the the bar thing's not working out, or maybe that's yeah. not a, not a good way to put it. But no, no, that's fine. Uh, part of it was we we'd played a number of different bar venues around the area, like Peppers, yeah, and we played at Patty O'Neill's up in Deadwood. You'd played there, you know, yeah, and that was a four hour gig, you know? yeah. And late, you know, yeah. one in the morning or midnight at least, something yep. like that. Yeah, one o'clock. Yeah, at one o'clock. And so we were playing those, and part of it was part of it was we just didn't want to play the bars. We didn't want to play the late nights anymore. And we also, we also realized, and I had known it as any musician that plays bars for very long, and Kim was kind of new to this, so I think she, she kind of learned, you know, as we went. But, you know, you play bars... And a lot of times you're just background music. Yeah. And we yeah. we didn't want that. And so we did, be, part of it was because it was late nights. So we just didn't want to be up till one, two in the morning mm-hmm. playing. And part of it was we decided we wanted to put on a show and we wanted to play venues that people were there to listen to music. Yeah. And we pursued that. And we're pretty thankful and blessed that it's been coming our way. A lot yeah. of that kind of stuff. And so we, we made that decision to pretty much not play bars anymore and take this other route. And it's gone, it's gone very well for you guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, really since that happened, not only have there been opportunities, but you've even created your own situ- opportunities with it, too. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a Black Hills Opry going on at yeah. Homestake Opera House mm-hmm. in Leed, um, which is a phenomenal <laughs> phenomenal thing that you guys kind of spearheaded yeah, there and we, got we got love that show them. and that's kind of what drew us to to put on the black hills opry because we said we want to play in theaters and at music festivals and, mm-hmm. and special events and stuff so we that's kind of what inspired the black hills operas we got to thinking you know we could we want to play in theaters and opera houses well there's a prime place for us to go yeah <laughs> you know absolutely. and put on this show and so yeah, and do it right. Like, yeah. I mean, it's two years now. This was the second year. It was the second. This season. This was the yeah, second, second season, season of it for Black Hills. Opera. Um, yeah. And um, just as good as the first, probably better. Yeah, um, from what, from everything I've heard, anyway. So yeah, yeah, we we're thrilled with it. And you played the first season. Yeah, you and Eric, and uh, you know, we're just thrilled with the people, the guests we've had, mm-hmm. and the turnout we've had in in yeah, build, the building it for the couple of seasons and. Yeah, and there again, it's it's that's what we wanted. Yeah, we said we want to get out of bars and we want to be playing theaters and places that people come to listen to music. Well, and when you create something like that, it 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 gives people a sense of, uh, hey, we're coming, 
for something artistic and we're coming for quality. Where it's not just, oh, yeah. I'm just hanging out with some friends and there happens to be someone playing in the corner. Yeah. That's everything. Yeah. And yeah. then you bring in guests that also demand that attention as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of... Uh, so this year, do you guys pick like a, this is our big artist of the year or is it just, it's just, Hey, these are who we ask and this is who say yes. Cause you had, um, you had Charlie Pride's son yeah. this year. We had Dion Pride. Yeah. The last show in August, he was our national guest, we call him. So there's a national guest that comes. Yeah. Okay. That's what it and is. That, that kind of evolved after the first season when you played, we, we kind of had, we wanted a couple of guests, mm-hmm. but at that time, I I think we just kind of had a lot of local and regional guests. Okay. And I think the furthest one away we got was Jalon Crossland in that first season. Okay. And But then the second season, we thought, well, let's have a local slash regional guest and then book a national guest, what we call a national guest. Mm-hmm. And like Dion Pride was that national guest. Yeah. And then we had some other people come out uh, from from Nashville. The first show was... We had Tom Worth this season, who's a songwriter in Nashville, and uh, Kim kind of knows him because he was an Iowa boy also, and Kim's an Iowa girl. Oh, okay. So that's Those they Iowa had that connection. Folks stick together, man. They do, yeah. they do. But that worked out good for us. See, yeah. I grew up in Nebraska, and we we yeah. we have a saying for Iowa folk. No, I'm just kidding. Love yeah. you, Kim. <laughs> Is it as bad as a banjo joke? <laughs> <laughs> Kim's gonna listen to this. Be like, God, yeah. all they did was rag on oh. Iowa and banjos. <laughs> Like, so. well, you know, it's what it is. But that's cool. So so a regional and then a national, um, which, which steps the game up yeah. immensely. Yeah. Like, that's oh, yeah. really cool. Yeah, and, and you know, the all the local guests we've had in both seasons have been amazing. Mm-hmm. They're great performers. And I think they also brought a level of professionalism, but they also respected the level of professionalism in the show. Yeah. Because that's what we wanted to produce, too. It was more than just come to the theater and sit down and listen to music, right? And and everyone has seen that, and a lot of people have commented on it. Yeah, on the, you know just how well organized and how professional the show is. Yeah, you know. And no, it's it's put together. Per- I mean, it's perfect. It's yeah. it's yeah. it's exactly like you if you're walking to an old school opera show, and that's what we wanted. You know, yeah. and you walk in there and. Someone comes out, they play a few songs, and as they're coming out, someone's coming in, playing a few songs. So yeah. it's just constantly moving, constantly. Yeah, yeah. The whole and it, how long do you, how long does the whole thing last, like start to finish? Well, you know, the first season, I, I as I recall, the first season was about an hour, a little over an hour. Okay. And, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And uh, then the second season, we changed it and bumped it up two hours, and so we'd have about fifty minutes of music. And then a, a break, and come back in for another. Oh, forty-five. How did that minutes. go? It, excuse me, it went really good. Okay. We, the second season, we also got an MC, and uh, oh. Bill Polina. He's from uh, North Dakota, mm-hmm. and he's uh, affiliated with the uh, North Dakota Cowboy Hall of Fame up in Medora. Okay. And and he's also been a DJ for many years, and so he was a great addition because prior to that, it was me or Kim. Or Sarah Carlson up at the home right, state that's right. that was introducing all the acts. And so by adding a a DJ or an MC, I should say. Right. By adding an MC, that brought another level of professionalism to it. Yeah. And so we had that MC for the second season. So it worked out really good because he would come up and introduce everybody. And then after, you know, just before the break, he'd come out and he'd introduce, hey, we're gonna take a little break and be 
we'll see you back here in about 15 minutes and made it really it flowed a lot easier for all of us that's really cool yeah and like you said the one of the things we wanted was it it was not going to be we have an opening act and a headliner Mm -hmm. even though we booked a national act they would be the last one to perform in each set Mm -hmm. if you want to call it a set but it was like you know aces and eights would get up and play like 15 minutes local act would play like 10 minutes and then the national act would get 20 minutes Mm -hmm. so you had this flow where it's not just one person or one group up there right. for a long period of time. And you yeah. kept the interest in the audience that way. So. Yeah, no, it's it's brilliantly put together. Like the the whole experience of it going in, you know, being, I know I was on the stage side of it, you know, was, I mean, I was excited. I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> this, it, was, it was the first time I'd done anything like that ever, uh-huh. you know, in, yeah. in my music career and that. And, and, uh, and then, you know, of course, my family was out, in the C part, and they said the whole thing was just phenomenal. Yeah. Just getting to see it and seeing the that's going. We had it was it was you guys, us, and Jamie Lynn. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I'm a huge fan of her. So that mm-hmm. was that was really cool to get to share the yeah. stage and everything. So um, that was that was a lot of fun. That's Jamie cool. looked at me that night when we were doing sound check, and she says, "We've known each other for years, and I think this is the first show we've got to work together." <laughs> I said, "You're right." Wow! Yeah. So that was that was amazing. It was fun. It's funny how that yeah. works, though. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Um, I was telling some like part of the like we were talking about the Wild West Festival before. Yeah. Um, there's so many artists that I don't see unless it's at that festival. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. just because we're all busy all yeah. year long playing gigs, and you know, a lot of us have our day jobs, and yeah, and um, so that's yeah, so that's, that's that's true. Whether it's songwriters or just other musicians. Yeah, you don't see each other perform that much. Yeah, unless you're on the same stage at a show, mm-hmm. or like you said, the Wild West Songwriters Festival. Yep, you're up there and you get to see them. Yeah, you know. Which thank you again, by the way, for putting that on. Ah, it's as, gonna be as fun. The local guy putting the locals on. <laughs> that's exciting. It it's is. gonna be fun. Yeah. Um. No, it's super cool that. Uh, so you know, the uh, last year we did it, it was the first year we did it. You know, the Deadwood Grand was uh, Deadwood Mountain Grand. Um. I'm glad that they are kind of. Letting that happen, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of kind of making that a part of it and investing in it too. Yeah, um, they they see the value in in the local artists and you know their great music venue. You know, cool people mm-hmm. that work there and yeah. kind of roll it and stuff. I, yeah. lo- I love sitting and talking with George and just planning mm-hmm. it out. So this year's going to be fun. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, so. that that is it's it's fun. Last year was a blast, and just like that, I love that the Deadwood Mountain Grand. And Deadwood and the Songwriters Festival are supporting the local songwriters and regional songwriters. Yeah. So it's not just about the Nashville guys, which they're all amazing. Yeah. And they're all down to earth great guys. Mm-hmm. But it's nice that we get a chance to shine too. Yeah. Well, and recognizing that you know songwriting can happen anywhere. Yeah. You know, that's you right. Know, not where it's there, there's music hubs for sure, but you know the the best the best songs in my mind come from wherever you're at, no matter who you are, you know, and yeah. there's, there's songs for people, you know, I know people that have moved to Nashville and try to be, you know, write songs in that. And none of it, none of it feels real because they're not yeah. from there, you know, and uh-huh. they're, they're, they're trying to write songs based on where they're currently. And it's like, right where you were from, where'd yeah. you come from? That's you right. Know? That's and, right. And if you came, if you're writing from a place you came from and you're also currently living in that place still, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's pretty neat. They, uh, um, so I wasn't going to put myself in a round this year. Oh, um, you can't do that. I, well, I was just—I was, you know, you, you, you try to. In there. I, I did. I found, um, so McGinnis yelled at me. He's like, "Dude, 
He's like, no, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. But, you know, part of it is, you know, there's a lot of people that want to do it, you know, and I'm, you know, I want, I want people to get the opportunity to play it and that and and do things. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, he's right. You know, I mean, it's. Yeah, you need to be. I I should definitely make sure that thinking of myself as well. It's. Yeah. Sounds selfish, but. Not really. You need, no. <laughs> you, like, you, no, it doesn't. You, you do it. No, you do a lot of work for the songwriters in this area, in the South Dakota Songwriters Association, and so yeah, you you deserve to be out there playing too. So we changed the name. Uh-oh. We're official now. What are we? Sodak Songwriters Incorporated. Soda. Oh, you. Yeah, you said you were going for the. Yeah. Five hundred one c three. Yeah, we're we're officially uh, so we're officially uh, an incorporation. Wow. Cool. Um, the 501c3 is uh, something else you have to apply for, and that, oh. that takes a little bit of a process. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big learning curve for me, man. Oh, like, it, this isn't just uh-huh. hanging out with a bunch of musicians, <laughs> putting rounds together, you know? This yeah. is, oh, hello, Mr. IRS. This How are you? business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, it was the obvious next step. It needed yeah. to happen, you know? If, if, yeah, if yeah. anything was going to happen with this group and what we're doing and what we're trying to do up here... Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got to got to go legit. Yeah, so that's great. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you do you miss uh, solo gigs, or do you still play solo gigs at all, or is it just you know what I've uh, I'm contracted in, and this is what I do. You want me, you get Kim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know when I when we Kim and I first started working together, she says, you know, if you want to keep playing solo, you can. And I, at that time, I had a, few, a handful of solo gigs still booked. Mm-hmm. So I, I finished those out, but um, I I told her that you know the only solo stuff I might do is some songwriter rounds and songwriter showcases. Okay, and I've done that mm-hmm. thanks to Heath Johnson. <laughs> I have done some of those. People are going to start yeah. to think this podcast is just everyone coming and thanking me for everything. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what it's about. <laughs> no, we are all grateful for all you do. Yeah, but no, okay. I. I you know, I like the solo stuff, and I like some of the music I did that does not fit into our show as aces and eights. Mm-hmm. But as far as playing out solo, the only thing I do solo anymore is songwriter rounds or so- songwriter mm-hmm. showcases. And um, and actually, the last this year and last year, you've booked Kim and I together at a couple songwriter rounds, yeah. which is great because we like you know we we don't want to take the stage and and take over the stage mm-hmm. but we work together a lot and so it's kind of cool to do our original songs yeah that we've worked up as a duo you know but i i kim and i talked early on that we were going to be pretty much exclusive to aces and eights okay and we think that's important because if you know and nothing against other musicians out there you know in the black hills and stuff but there's a lot of musicians that there you you'll see him with this group and with this group and over here playing solo and this and this and all over the place. And so it's nothing special when they come out to see a show. Right. Nothing against these musicians, they're all amazing. But it's like when we wanted it to be more, you know, if aces and eights is playing, then that's where you're gonna see them. Yeah. And you're not gonna you're see them anywhere else. You're not gonna see them down at the pub down the street, you know. Sure. Or one of them. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that's something we've had We've we've had a couple of bass players. We've had two upright bla- bass players, mm-hmm. and we love having that that bass in there mm-hmm. and that third band member. And and one of them, um, she, Carrie Orr, she's a, an amazing musician, but her passion is the symphony, and sure. she's with the Black Hills Symphony. Fantastic. And so she played with us for one season last last year 
in 2017, and she was great to work with. Mm-hmm. But we knew she wasn't going to stay with us. Sure. And we can't blame her. She's her passion's not country music. Yeah, I, I mean, can't believe it. You got to follow your passion, you know. <laughs> you and know, and then the that's other a no one, hard feelings type of goodbye. Yeah, you know? exactly. And Peggy Douglas, she was she was great. She's a good bass player and singer. Yeah, but there again, she has a lot of irons in the fire, and yeah. we don't want to hold her back because she likes to play solo, and she's got another band. Um, the Badger Set Band that she right, plays in. Right. And so it's like, for Kim and I, we want it exclusive. Mm-hmm. Not meaning to be selfish, but we want it, we'd love to have a bass player again, but it's got to be like Kim and I are. Mm-hmm. We're exclusive to Aces and Eights. And we think that's important. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't, you didn't hear of, uh, you know, like one of the guys from ZZ Top saying, I don't know if I can play with you guys this year. I'm, I think I'm going to go sit in with Aerosmith for the rest of the year. <laughs> you, you don't hear that. And Wait, does our show what... get done at 9? Because at 11, I'm going to head down to the bar and just rock solo for a little bit. That's right. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I got a solo gig at the bar down the street from the yeah. uh, you know, 50,000 people venue we're playing. You, you just don't hear that with the bigger acts. And that's part of what Kim and I looked at. Is mm. It's like, you know you don't hear that from the bigger acts and there's a reason why and there's a reason why they made it where they're at well and when you commit to something like that it gives you a <laughs> it gives you a focus you know like this yeah, is where exactly. and, and if yeah. you have a focus and you have an aim and everything you're doing is for that one goal right. and you're not you're not stretched and i mean think of all the energy that gets spent you know doing a bunch of other things I and mean, if you were to put it all on one thing yep what you can accomplish you know oh yeah and it's and it it shows with aces and eights i mean you guys was it your first year you got was it country music what was the uh, award that the cd got yeah our first cd got cd of the year for from uh, south dakota country music hall of fame right that's right and also the national traditional country music association yeah f- right out and, of the bat boom yeah. first cd so i mean so, it, yeah. it, when you when you take the time to to look at yourself and say this is what we want to shoot for and we're going to put everything into it, mm-hmm. um, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah, and, and, and like with, you like you said, you stay focused on this goal mm-hmm. instead of being spread out too thin with all these other things. Yeah, maybe I should take a lesson from that. I'm, yeah. doing, I'm doing a lot right uh, now, Marilyn. No, no, no. <laughs> you keep spreading yourself thin. No. <laughs> just keep doing we, it. Either. We just want you just keep the doing songwriters it. thing to keep going and Heath yeah. Johnson to be playing. And, yeah. No, we've got the cool thing about when uh, going becoming an incorporation into actual business and that is um, more people more people get involved and it's easier to get more people involved because yeah. there's yeah. there's there's an obvious like it feels more real. You know, versus just, hey, Heath asked me to do this. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, so. Well, that's that's true. And I know early on, you know, when we would have our little songwriting meetings and stuff, and we tried to find some places that we could have them regular besides somebody's house. Right. And some of the places we approached were like, Come back in a few years when you've grown up. Right, <laughs> you know, yeah. That kind of attitude. Man, those are the days, when, Harlan. When, when you prove that you're a, a legitimate entity that's yeah. going to stick around, come talk to us. So you're right, the incorporation of Sodak Songwriters, is that what it's called? Sodak Songwriters Incorporated. There you go. Yeah. That's that's huge. Yeah, it, really it, it changes the game a little bit. And Heath, uh, I want to thank you for that. Well, because everyone's it wasn't just me. Heath. It wasn't just... <laughs> damn it. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't just me though. There was. Uh, I sat down with uh, um, Chris Husengay and Kayla Frey, and um, they kind of talked about uh, like a fundraising event that we mm-hmm. they had an idea of what we want to do, and that kind of got cool. the conversation started. Like really in my head, like wow, we we can't do that because mm-hmm. 
we don't have we I mean we don't have a corporation we don't have anything to funnel that money through where it's yeah you know actually a legitimate thing with you know everything like that so we can't have songwriters fundraisers mm-hmm. to promote song you know we can't do anything like that and it hit me like okay I think it's time yeah I think it's time so that's great good we'll see we'll see yeah. the goal is the goal is soon and uh, we'll see we'll see what happens with it but uh, yeah and. So on top of uh, playing music, um, I keep learning more and more things out about you. <laughs> <laughs> that is like Harland is a Harland is not just the cool guy walking across the street with a guitar case. He's got some skills. I do. Um, you, I could carry two guitars across the street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you an auctioneer at one point? Or am I making this up? I am an auctioneer. You are an auctioneer. I went to auction school in Billings, Montana in 1992. No kidding. And my wife and I had our own auction business in Wyoming for about 10 years. No kidding. So do you still do it every now and then? Like if you ever get called? You know, I worked with some auction companies here in the Black Hills when we moved here. Mm -hmm. And uh, occasionally somebody will call me and ask if, if I can come help out with an auction. Okay. And so I'll, you know, I'll do that. If if I don't have a gig, <laughs> gotcha. Right. Or, or if I don't have a gig coming up, that soon. doesn't qualify into not being loyal to Aces and Eights, right? That's a whole no, no, separate. No, no, that's separate. Separate. Field. I'm not. Yeah. I don't go sing the auctioneer song at those <laughs> auctions. So I'm not singing. I'm just right. bid calling. So right. yeah, I I am an auctioneer and trained. Actually, you know, how do you? How are you trained? Like, what is that? What are those classes like, I guess, when you're trying to learn <laughs> to do that? Where they teach you how to talk fast <laughs> and not, not fumble around. Yeah. Well, you know, it was like, it was like a, I think, two weeks up in Billings. And they just take you through it. They had, it was Western College, Western College of Auctioneering up okay. in Billings. And they have, uh, I don't know, maybe eight or ten different instructors. And they each focus on a different thing. And then they kind of lead you through. I mean, they, they lead you through with tongue twisters. And you have to memorize these tongue twisters to help you get to where you can talk fast. Like what kind of tongue twisters? Well, Do you know any? Like, um, Do you remember any? I mean, uh, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Betty Botter bought some butter, but she said this butter's bitter. If I put it, this butter in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. Oh, my gosh. I stumbled around a little because it's been a while on that one, but you yeah. still know, oh jeez, yeah. man, so, that was better than I would do. Yeah. <laughs> like, better, better batter than you do. Yeah, but anyhow, <laughs> they they start you through with the you know tongue twisters and okay, and then they'll they'll work you through on different aspects of the auction business, you know, like going out and and looking at an auction to to actually book it, and and then public speaking. They had a lady that was in charge of public speaking, because not everybody was a musician before they were an auctioneer and used to being in front of crowds. So, right. You know, so the classes... What? They, they, yeah, they kind of, you know, it, it was like, you know, 10, 12-hour days, you know, with different instructors throughout the day. Okay. To teach all the aspects of business with auctions and then the actual bid calling and working on what they call your chant. And your chant, the chant, is that different every, for every person? Every every person's different. It's kind of yeah, it's, unique to them. Yeah, it's kind of how they how they would do things. You know? What's yours? I don't know. You don't need, yeah, I had, <laughs> never made one. Never. No. No. It's it's just you know the chant is kind of the the way you kick off. You you have a like a little start off line that before you sell everything. You know, like what are you going to bid? Oh, Up for okay. auction now. What are you going to bid? What do you bid? You know, oh, so you gotcha. Have a, you yeah. have a little kickoff line that starts every item 
that kicks you into your chant. Yeah. And then you get your chant, which like is kind of a here we go type, yeah, type phrase. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's probably one. Someone probably yeah, already go. took that one. I'm, I'm thinking somebody's got that one. <laughs> Someone already took it. Nobody, Dang it. Nobody trademarked it. Man. You can do, yeah. So anyhow, <laughs> I am an auctioneer. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, was that kind of where the auctioneer song came into Aces and Eights? Was like, hey, Harlan yeah. can do, actually do this, so let's throw it in there. It's fun. Like every time you, oh, love, every time you I play it, I'm like, <laughs> I'm waiting for like something to just kind of fall out of your mouth and it not work, but it never happens. <laughs> well, actually, when I got done with auction school, I decided I'm a musician and I'm an auctioneer. So I got to learn the auctioneer song. <laughs> yeah, so that's I did. True. It was that's after true. after I went to auction school. I Who had wrote to, that? Had to learn it. Who sang um, that? Leroy Van Dyke. Leroy Van Dyke. Leroy, I'm okay. pretty sure he wrote it too. Gotcha. He was the first one. To, yeah, I think he put it out in like 1958. Recognizing that auction auctioneer talk works with music, and you can yeah you can put it together. Some mm-hmm. call that hip hop. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No one calls that hip hop. No one at all. I hope. I hope not. <laughs> no one at all. There's going to be a, some upset hip hop people. A little bit. A little bit. Um, and then you're also an actor. Yeah. So you've done how many? Is it just like indie film type stuff, or have you uh, uh, done anything more than that? I guess. But um, yeah, it's pretty much just little indie films. Okay. And uh, I I've been in a number of TV commercials, including a couple of uh, South Dakota lottery commercials, and that's kind of what kicked it off. Was doing some commercials, and then I got into some little f- local films. Okay. And. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. It's it's something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. You know, I, I did some acting in high school, like in theater and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to do more acting. And then like in 2012, I was I was actually online. I was Googling look a studio to do some recording in. Mm-hmm. And uh, this site came up with uh, Robert Sharp and Associates. Yeah. And apparently they have a studio to record in. And I was like, okay. And so I looked, and then they had this page called Black Hills Talent or something like that. I just did a commercial with them on Wednesday. Did you? I did. So you're an actor, too. Um, not quite. I cool. sat there and pretended to drink beer. But uh, Oh, <laughs> all I got to do is act naturally. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Cool. I got to see that commercial. Yeah. So that's where I, I got started. Okay. They, they called me for some commercials, and that's where I did all my commercials with. Man. And then then I just, different things came about. You know, I I would get on Craigslist and look under their talent thing. Mm-hmm. And a lady named uh, Wendy Pettis was putting out a film called Hike the Movie. And had a, in the talent thing on Craigslist, was looking for somebody to play a part. And so I messaged her and we got talking and I got cast into that, you know. Man. And then, uh, let's see, there was uh, Never Been to Graceland. And yeah. be- because of the film with Wendy Pettis, um, a-, a friend of hers, that- who were mutual friends, who's doing, does a lot of films and, and stuff, uh, Justin Gossman, he called me and said, I got a part for you in a film coming up. And it was Never Been to Graceland, which is a fun film to, to-, to be a part of. It was a lot of fun. That's so that cool. one came out like in 2017, I think it was released. And that's um, that's the Elvis one, right? Yeah, that's like, the one about Elvis. Someone finds some obscure, yeah. or you have some obscure I, thing, or I was the guy who who found a a never released recording of Elvis in okay. the dumpster back in like the seventies or something. Oh, and okay. that was me. That was my part. That was your character, and, I, in the and show. I found that 
that that uh, tape, and there was all these people wanting that tape. Oh, because you did. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because it was I'm, you know yeah. Elvis that nobody had heard right. singing these songs before. So yeah, and everybody wanted it. Yeah. Man. So yeah, that and was, you're just sitting there saying, "Show me the money." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a little different. You got to watch the movie. Yeah, it's yeah not absolutely. about the money. Absolutely. That was one of my lines. But it's not about the money. So oh, it okay. wasn't about the money for this guy. Cool. Yeah. I got nothing to yeah. do tonight. Maybe I'll there keep that go. on. Watch yeah. it. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. Yeah. Huh? And then is, the, it on, is the full movie on YouTube? I, I think so. I'm wow. pretty sure. Yeah, never been to Graceland. Because you can buy it, too. That's yeah, you can okay. sure buy it, and, and I'm sure Justin would love for you to buy yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I probably will. But, I'll just yeah. go and buy it. But yeah, and then there's the, the latest one I've been in was, it was originally slated to be a feature film, but the funding didn't happen, so... It became a short film, and it's supposed to be released sometime soon, I think, in in fall of this year, and that is uh, The Long Look Back. Okay. And, and it's a Western. Mm. And uh, I had a I had a, a bit part in that. I, I had, I don't know, half a dozen lines or something. I played Shaq Kaczynski. Shaq Kaczynski. Yeah. I was the, the hired hand for this rancher in, in South Dakota. Is your Shaq with a Q? Can I start calling you Shaquille? No, no it was not Shaq with a Q. <laughs> Shaq Kaczynski. <laughs> wow, so this is a, kind of a regular thing then. This isn't just, hey, I I did a movie called Never Been to Grace, because that's the only one I've ever heard of, of uh-huh. you being in and stuff, but I thought that was super cool, because yeah, but it, you've it been is. doing this a while. Yeah, well, since 2012. Yeah, oh, still, and, that's so six yeah, years it, now. And it's something I'm six pursuing years. along with my music, because I, I, I really enjoy it. You know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's you know getting into the parts and the character and learning the lines and then yeah. working with the people. All of them that I've worked with so far have been just amazing. And so you know, I've 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 put in for some other films, and I'm hoping you know some of them I know that I didn't get the part because they're already done. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But uh, like, wait a but, second. Uh, wait a minute. Wait, Here's that movie. That guy's playing my they part. They never called me. <laughs> but I I keep putting in for movies. There's a there's a site called Actors Access. Okay. That I am part of. And they send me notifications, you know, every day about different films. And wow. I put in for some of those via Actors Access. And then a, a, a friend of mine that he was, he was uh, in The Long Look Back, he did the wardrobe and, and props. And uh, his name's Jim Hatzel. And he lives in Rapid City. And he did props and wardrobe for... Um, I can't believe I forgot the name. Kevin Costner movie. No kidding. Oh, um, Dances with Wolves? Dances or? with okay. Wolves, yeah. Yeah. So he did that. So he's he's done a lot yeah, of so big he knows films. What he's doing. So uh he's he's told me about a couple of films and I put in my part for the for parts too. Wow. Because he, he he must like the way I played Shaq Shaki Gazinski. Shaki Gazinski. <laughs> that's that's a great <laughs> so, name. <yeah. laughs> that, that's a Someone put some thought into that name. Yeah, like that's not just like, hey, it's John Robinson or something like yeah. that. You know, like, like hey, oh, Bill, we got to give him right, Bill, <laughs> Bill and Bob over there in the corner. Like, that's cool, man. So, yeah. That's got to be a lot of fun. Like, it's oh, it it is super well, neat. And you you know you you drank beer in a commercial. Yeah, I sat there and didn't even get a talking line. Come well, on, they'll give you that soon. Eh, you never know. Yeah, but yeah, but it's kind of fun. I mean, I yeah. enjoy doing it. You know, and yeah. even though it's just little stuff. Like small commercials and that. No, Whitney actually got me connected to the Robert Sharp place because she did a few commercials for them when oh. she was in college. Oh, cool! Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. She goes, yeah, it's kind of fun. Every now and then, sometimes you fit the part, and they'll give you a call, and yeah. you can go do it. And it's like, yeah. cool. Why not? You know. And then I'll go into work, and 
Everyone's like, I saw you on TV. Was that you? I'm like, yeah, that was me. Yeah, like, that's funny too. Like, <laughs> People are like, I didn't know you did that. Yeah. What are you doing on TV? But it's a, it's a, I don't know. It's just something fun. You yeah, know, I mean, that's kind is. of the thing is, you know, yeah. a lot of people do a bunch of different things and it's like, why not? You know, yeah. you can do something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Might as well do all you can, you know, yeah. and it's fun and it's different. And, yeah. you know, the commercials I've enjoyed, but I really like doing the movie thing too. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a good time. <laughs> do you have, uh, um, kind of back to, back to the songwriting and the music, do you have a favorite song of yours that you've written that you're like, this is, this is my favorite song that I've put together? Oh man, you know, you probably know how it is. I don't know if there is a yeah. favorite. I've you got know, my own favorites of you, but uh <laughs> I am always curious if someone um if like if you if if people like think of this like this is this is my my favorite or anything like that. But yeah. So know, far nobody I, has one. They're like, eh, I, no, I like so. a lot of what I've written. That yeah. the, you know, the ones I still play. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the other ones I don't like at all. That's why they don't get played. Right. But right. you know, I think as far as People liking a song, it, it might other people liking a song. It might be "Dear Child," ah, a song I wrote. It's a great tune for my granddaughter. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, yeah, but as far as my own favorite, I just like them all. Yeah, the ones I still play. <laughs> so go listen to every all of them, everyone. There you go. <laughs> I, I I really like "Heaven Now," um, and then I like uh, um, "Same Old Fool." <laughs> Love same old fool. I mean, I'm a big fan of cool. you know honky tonk songs and stuff like that. So yeah. that's like that's a cool, that's a cool fun, yeah. fun song and well, that's, everything. So we're Kim and I are working on. We want to get our next CD out hopefully before the end of the year. Oh, cool! And uh, it's going to be all originals. Nice, and dude. We decided sweet. We, we wanted to do more honky tonk. Yeah, because we got to listening. Like at a songwriter's round we did last, I think, up in Deadwood Mountain Grand at the patio, uh-huh. Patron patio. And Kim says, you know, we need to write some more upbeat stuff. <laughs> you know, and it's, I was like, yeah, you know, we got to. And so our next CD is going to be all original, and we want to do, I've got like a couple of honky-tonk songs that I'm Perfect. So, yeah. I like the honky tonk stuff too. I love it. Or get vinyl made, man. Yeah, get vinyl go. made. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of vinyl. So oh, me it'd be too. Really cool. That's cool, man. Well, where can people hunt your stuff down at? Like your music and all that stuff like that. If they wanted to find you online, uh, they can look us up on Facebook. Okay, Aces and Eights Classic Country Music. Okay, and you got to put in the classic country music part because if you type in Aces and Eights, you might get this band. I think they're from Florida. And they've got like skulls and stuff, you know. Aces and eights, aces rah. and eights, devil music, <laughs> you know. So, aces and eights, classic country music is That's what you got to look up. Look it up on Facebook, and aces and eights music dot com, I think, is our website. Okay, so cool. Find us, find us on Facebook, and it'll lead you to our website and yeah, our EPK. Absolutely. That's cool, man. Yeah, this yeah. has been fun. Oh yeah, I've enjoyed this. Me too. Yeah. Cheers, man. Cheers. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thanks again for all of you hanging out here at the Heath Bar this week. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter at heathbaronline.com and subscribe to the podcast and your podcast weapon of choice. Once again, if you want to get a hold of me, my email is heath at heathbaronline.com. I hope to hear from you folks, and we'll see you next time.